Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 392, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to discuss. We got a lot of random stories because it's that time of the year, and we don't know what's happening with the NBA draft at the time of us recording that, so we'll get into that next time around, see what the Mavs do and what moves are made, all that type of thing. But we do have a couple of Cowboys notes that I wanted to throw out. And yeah. man, we've got some stories. I mean, we got all stories all over the place that we're going to get into, which will be fun. But before we get rolling on anything, as always, man, it's Greening Law, one of our great sponsors that makes this thing possible each and every time we do it. If you find yourself in a car accident or injury to your person, I would highly recommend that you pick up the phone. You might not even like, man, I don't, I don't think I have a case. I have no idea. Greening, but see, that's the thing. It's, it's a free consultation. So you can call and be like, hey, I was involved in this and this and this. And they'll either tell you, cool, you have a case. We're going to go to work for you against these insurance companies. Or, you know, it doesn't sound like you actually do. And it costs you nothing to find out if you actually have a case or not. Nah, bro, that's the beauty of greening law. And so, you know, we tell y'all, and we've, let, me, let me rest assured, we've been very consistent about this. If you're involved in something where you get hurt in any way, shape, or form, and you're not at the crib, the first thing you got to do is pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900. That's the first thing you do, 972-934-8900. Lock it in so you don't have to think about it when that moment occurs. You call them and say, hey, here's the details. What do you think? If they bring you on as a client, I'm telling you, Matt can vouch for it. Spend your lucky day because they'll fight for you. They'll grind for you. They'll ride for you against another uh, person's big insurance company. And, you know, we always tell you, and this is real facts, real talk, real truth. 100, they don't get paid unless you get paid. So they will be grinding for you. They'll be working hard for you. You don't have to wonder where you are on the priority list because they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so Grinning Law is the place to call. That's exactly right, man. And that call is easy to make. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So I thought this was interesting. In Bucky Brooks, who you know, yes, with well. NFL.com, Bucky Brooks put up a couple of days ago, take quarterbacks out of it, 
who would be the top non-quarterback franchise building blocks if you couldn't select a quarterback and had to start a franchise to build around any other player in the NFL, who would it be? Now, he did this, and I thought this was interesting. He said he is looking at non-quarterback franchise player that he would love to build around for the next five years if he was in charge of a team. And so because of the five-year window that he is proposing, he narrowed the list to players who are currently 26 and younger heading into the season. So if you were going to say like a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt who are over 26 or Laramie Tunzel who's 28, they wouldn't right. apply here with obviously the point being they'll be over 30 years old by the end of his five-year window. And I don't know if I was surprised or not. And I guess I'm not, but <laughs> it, it still just blows my mind that I guess Dallas, that we've got that guy. But his number one, like the, the guy, if you couldn't start with a quarterback, the guy he would choose to build his franchise is around is Micah Parsons. Wow. How about that? And as he says, he goes, if defense wins championships, the first piece should be a dominant edge defender would take over the game potential. And that's Micah Parsons. Uh, he's not wrong. He's he, not wrong. He's I mean, got him he's, just he's, ahead of, of Nick Boza. Okay. And see, here's what he's talking about. If you take away quarterback, what are the next five most important positions on the team? It's receiver, it's left tackle, it's rusher, it's cornerback, and, uh, you know, one of those other defensive uh, spots. You know, because it used to be a lot of them, now the game's changed. So, But, you know, that's what you're looking at. So you're looking at a corner or a defensive end on uh, defense. You're looking at a receiver or a left tackle on offense because running back used to be one of those key spots, but I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, no way. Uh, and quarterback is the other one, so that's gone. So that only leaves the four or the six to pick from now. So Michael Parsons makes sense. If you consider him the best pass rusher, the best um, edge rusher, uh, a guy who can change the game because he can do more than just rush the passer. Uh, so, no, dude, he's got to be up there. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, 24 years old, it's just – it's. It's so crazy anytime, like I felt, and we've had conversations about Luca. the fact that you've got a guy like this, and not that anybody really gets into the intricacies of Miro Haskinen with the Stars, but there are three dudes with three of these franchises, and there damn well may be a fourth with Josh Young at third base for the Rangers, that right. we are talking about guys that are super young, that literally not only are they amongst the best players on their team, if not the best player on their team, they're at the, the top two or three at their positions in the NFL, in the NHL, in Major League Baseball, and in the NBA, and there's one on each of these teams in Dallas, and yet when we had that conversation the other day about winning championships, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, maybe outside the Stars or Rangers, the other two just seem like they're not right. I don't know. It's just it's crazy to think we've got that level of elite. I mean, these are guys that, barring injuries, should all go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, Josh Young, that's probably a little extreme based on a rookie season, but I, right. I'm just saying that you've got a path for these guys to be elite for the next decade. Oh, there's no doubt, man. I mean, I, I think it's a great time to look around and see because you have all of that. And, um, you know, the Rangers have got people on the come. So, now it's a great time to be a Dallas sports team, man. But Heskinen is elite. He's, a, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I'd say Micah's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, too. We all know Luca is. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, I'm not being a curmudgeon. I'm just telling y'all the truth as I know it and see it. What have we talked about and what have we seen? It's all about longevity, baby. 
Right, and that's the thing. Can you do thing. it over yeah. years? Because I would have sworn you Zeke was headed to the Hall of Fame after his fourth year. Oh, that's a very good point. <laughs> I'd have bet you a whole lot of money that no that doubt. was going yeah. to happen. No, no, dog. I just, I thought it was written in stone that it was going to happen, and you know, some luck, some bad luck, some just, and it's, it's not. We're not even thinking about it now. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting to see these guys and Micah going into his third year because you just keep wondering what's next. I mean, the the it feels like the ceiling is so sky high to think how dominant this dude has been in his two years, and he's twenty four years old and really hadn't even hit his prime yet. And that's I think that's it with a lot of like even Luca is the same way. Obviously, Miro is the same way. I mean, these guys are so young. To be as good as they have been so far in their careers, it, they're not even in the prime of their careers yet. No, and that's uh, that's why you got to keep enjoying them and um, appreciating what they can do. Because for those of you who didn't appreciate Zeke, huh? Too late. That ship sailed. Yeah, no doubt, man. You know what I mean? Yes. So take some time to appreciate Micah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something that reminded me of that, bro. Okay, don't laugh at me and don't roll your eyes at me. I'm going back to this 1993 championship game again. I mean, regular season game with the Cowboys and the Giants I saw last week. Okay. But there was a play. It was a basic play. Phil Sims. Okay, it's Phil Sims. That's how long ago it was. He escaped the pocket, and he looks like he's about to run for a first down. And Darren Woodson looks like he's moving it like 4-1. And he made the tackle and dropped him after like a one-yard gain. And I went, oh, my God, I forgot how fast and how dominant Darren Woodson was when he first showed up in the league. Yeah. And this is what I mean by I did this Dirk's last couple of years. I just really enjoyed watching him play. I really savored his game and really like, yeah, that's Dirk doing that thing. Yeah. It really just took some time to really enjoy it because I knew it was coming to an end. You better do the same thing with LeBron uh, if the end is not already here. But cats come and go, man, and you, they'll leave and you'll be like, damn, I spent all this time bitching and moaning about his career, comparing him to this guy and that guy, and I forgot to enjoy him while he was here. Yeah, I, I mean, that's very, very true. Because it's, it's amazing how quickly a lot of that will hit, especially in football, obviously. But it can be in other sports as well where you, you know, though it's like those Rangers teams when they were here in 2010 and 2011 and how amazing those runs were each of those years after yep. everything that we had been through. Or you look at the Mavs and even though they lost their run in 06 and the run when they won the title in 11, because it doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's... You know, two days ago, we're recording this in the middle of the week. June 19th was the anniversary of the Stars winning the Stanley Cup. In 1999, that was 24 years ago. It's been a minute, bro. And yeah, they've gone to the Cup Finals since then a couple of times. And they've been in Conference Finals a handful of times, but they haven't gotten the Cup again. And But they're not the Cowboys. They're not the Cowboys. <laughs> and and that's, that's what's so crazy about that is that when it's happening – and your team is so good, obviously in it, you don't think that this is one day going to end. Right. But it always does. And, and that's why, you know, I, I feel that way watching Micah a lot of times. Some of the things that he will do, you just kind of, 
you giggle to yourself because it's incredible we get to watch this dude for our team. Luca's very much the same way. I mean, right. if, if you watch a lot of Mavs, at least once a game, Luca does something that just blows your mind that you can't believe. I that dude's on my team. It's just it's incredible and it, it's kind of awesome, man. And, and hopefully, man, I just hope these. Remember when Dirk won in 2011? Like everybody, we were just so happy that Dirk got his ring and that it happened for the Mavs and it happened for Dirk. Yep. And it feels like it's going to get that way with some of these other dudes. Assuming that they can even get on a championship level. Who knows? Well, I mean, I think that um, it's, it's not about them. It's about, to me, it's always about, um, how do I want to say this? Can the team add the pieces around them to get them there? Like, they're good enough to be there. It's can the team add what's needed to get them there? Like, Luka is good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. He's good enough to win the championship. Can they get some guys who can ride with him? Right. That's the question. Yeah. So we'll see. I just thought it was interesting that Bucky Brooks, again, I mean, if there's anybody that's not a quarterback that he'd start a franchise with, it's Micah Parsons. The other thing I wanted to throw out, and both these dudes are free agents. I think we're well aware of that. Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins. And Dalvin Cook was on Adam Schefter's podcast earlier this week and basically said that he would love to go where DeAndre Hopkins goes and would like to see them find a way to land on the same team together that that would be epic for the nfl and it's interesting because dalvin cook has also said that he wants 12 million dollars is according to what he's looking for and i just thought i i don't there is not a team in the nfl that has a salary cap space to sign dalvin cook and deandre hopkins that they're both going to expect top of the line running back and wide receiver money because then you're talking about 37 40 million dollars for the two of them together the Bears right now have the most salary cap space in the NFL. They, they've got just over $31 million. But you know what? And I know that it's not going to happen. I get it. Do you know that right now the Cowboys have the third most cap space in the NFL? <laughs> uh, I knew they were up there. I didn't realize they were the third most. Yeah. But, uh, now, so we'll see. Well, let's, let's go over what you just said. Now, the reality is if some team wanted to sign them, they could because they just play with the numbers and get the deal done. So cap is not precluding any team from signing them. But I think when you, when you talk about what they want, what they're looking for in a fit, and then what teams want, I think it's just at this time of year, just your boy, it's just me, your boy, I don't think too many teams want, quote, I'm using air quotes here, a number one running back and a number one receiver. Yeah. Most of them – have solved those problems. If they had those problems going into the offseason, they solved them with the draft or with free agency. Both of those issues. Maybe they solved one, one of them, so they, may, they need one or the other. They don't need both. And neither one of those guys, thus far, thus far, thus far, has seemed all that interested in taking a pay cut or taking less than market value. And I'm not advocating that they do, but... I can't see them on the same team. You know, like, okay, who's interested in Hopkins, Tennessee? Well, Derrick Henry's still in Tennessee, dog, so they don't need a running back like yeah. that. You know? Now, New England, they had a 1,000-yard rusher, too. Um, you know, now maybe they need Hopkins. I don't know that New England – when has New England ever had a big-time running back? They've forever been running back by committee or some no-name dude, right? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Right, they have. Or some veteran off the scrap heap. 
and Dalvin Cook doesn't view himself as on the scrap heap, so he doesn't fit that category. So I don't, I just don't see a fit. I think that's a pipe dream and a hope, but I don't see anything, you know, yeah. unless they get a game of Madden and put themselves on the same team. Maybe it'll work that way. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you're going to see any of that either. It, I'll be interested. It, it, it seems like it, you continue to hear Miami with Dalvin Cook that that would make a lot of sense, and it would when you look at what they've got. But then obviously, I mean, they're not going to also go out and get DeAndre Hopkins to pair with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. So I just don't know that that's going to happen. And man, you know, when I was looking at it earlier today and I see that the Cowboys have $24 million in cap space, and I've said this before, they're not going to use $24 million in cap space for anything this year. Now, okay, maybe something happens, they bring in whatever. It's not going to be $24 million worth. And I just, I mean, if I could get Dalvin Cook and it cost me $10 million for one year, be like, hey, man, let's come on a prove-it contract, whatever. We still got $14 million in cap space, but they're not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. No, nah, he can't do that because he's going to be 28 at the end of that year, and then he's really not going to get paid. Because if it, even if he came here, the best he could do is split time with, with uh, Pollard. Tony Pollard. Yeah. So this is not a good fit for him going into 28, no matter how much we would enjoy seeing him here. It is what it is at this point. So we'll see where it goes. But everything you look at, I mean, the Patriots are the landing favorite, the betting favorite, I should say, for to land DeAndre Hopkins in Miami. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But neither one of them is going to come to Dallas, and, and there's no way they're both going to wind up on the same team at the end I of the would, day. I would, I would agree with that. Moral of the story. And then finally, and again, it just, that we have reached the time of the year that everybody, and we know this, <laughs> you got the NBA draft. Eh, outside of that, unless you're super into college World Series talk, there's just not a lot happening. The Rangers are good, but we know the season kind of drags because even if the Rangers were to beat some team 15 to nothing and have a great win streak right now, it's, you're, so, you're not even halfway through the season. Which is why the Dallas Morning News has the story that Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott have been working out together in Dak's backyard on his 55-yard football field that he has up there in Prosper at his mansion. And I read that and I go, I mean, I imagine Zeke still lives in the area. He and Dak are extraordinarily good friends. I mean, why would it be weird or noteworthy that Zeke is working out with Dak and Dak's trying to help the dude stay in shape? Well, I think they're trying to help each other. I would imagine. It's no different than uh, occasionally on a holiday, I'll call my boys, hey, y'all want to get a work in today? Work out in today? Because, you know, with schedules, we don't normally get to work out together. Yeah, yeah, dog, that sounds good. Uh, What time? Uh, Since we ain't got to work today, let's go at uh, at 8.39. Okay, boom. Then all the guys you don't see because of work schedules, they show up at 9 and you have some camaraderie and work out. That that ain't no different than this. Hey, dog, I'm finna work out. Okay, good. I'm going to roll through. What time? Boom, boom. We run routes. You get your arm in. We talk a little bit. We have a drink. We have lunch. You go your way. I go mine. That's what boys do, dog. Yeah, but again, because it's Zeke, any time that there is anything that might possibly connect him coming back to the Cowboys, it's going to make news. And people, oh, Zeke and Dak are working out together. Okay, so what? I think that's also... As we've discussed, it's the owner and his ability to or his inability to say uh, Zeke is not coming back. 
Because I mean, again, they gave his number away. Right? Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he could shut it down pretty damn quick. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think the bigger question is where will Zeke play? Like, there's just not a lot of spots for him right now. I mean, think about it, dog. I mean, just think about it like this: Dalvin Cook, twenty-seven, coming out four consecutive eleven hundred yard seasons, can't get a job yet. And we can say how good he is, how this, that, and whatever. Does he have a job yet, Matt? No. No. Hell no. If he was all of that, Matt, literally, if he was all of that, would he have a job now? Uh, Let me ask you this. You would think so. You would think so. But again, Dalvin Cook's out there. so If Michael Parsons was free today, would he have a job today? He would have had a job one minute after he was released. Right. If Aaron Donald was free today, would he have a job? Yes, of course. Yeah. How about this, man? If CeeDee Lamb was free today, would he have a job? Yes. So, and I'm going to tell you this. It's about value. Like, Dalvin Cook can play. We all know that. Nobody right now is like, dog, we're not finna give you all that money, bro. No, sir. We're not doing it. <laughs> so this is what teams are telling his agent. Hey, buddy, check this out. We got $8 million for Dalvin. It's his, whatever he wants. it. Uh, if he wants a long-term deal, we can do three years at such and such, uh, this much guaranteed. Whenever he wants that, holler at your boy, we'll get it done. Because he's got no leverage. He's got no negotiating power. If he did, bro, he'd already be signed. And at some point, he'll be like, hey, Matt, I need to go and get in camp, man. Go make a call, get the deal done. Okay, which one you want? Uh, I want that one. All right, yeah. let me call him. That's what's going to happen. Now, maybe they'll appease him, and he'll sign some four-year, $77 million deal that's got, you know, 12 million guaranteed and an opt-out after the first year on the team option. But he can say he got $27 million a year. Or whatever. Oh, there you go, yeah. But real money, dog. Running backs get hosed. We all know it. Tony Polly got hosed. Oh, it's just they're done. It's not going to happen anymore. Nope. Saquon Barkley, he's going to get hosed. He is, and, and it's going to piss him <laughs> off, and they're going to wish that they had come through a few years ago, but that's going to be the reality of it. And, and I honestly think that teams are going to start getting to a point where, okay, don't play anymore. We'll just draft a dude in the third round and roll with that guy. If you're special, that's what they're going to t- If you're not special, that's what they're going to tell you. Or really what needs to happen, I shouldn't say needs because it screws the back, but from a team, if I was running a team and I had a dude that I wanted to keep around, I would franchise tag that dude for the sixth year and he'd be 28, 29 years old, and I'd be, all right, peace out. Thanks for your six years. That's, I mean, that's basically what it happens. And if I really wanted to go it again, then maybe I franchise tag him for the second year and get him seven years in, and, and I'm out. I'm done, and I'm going to reset it and go get the other 22-year-old dude in the next draft. Well, here's what happens. And Zeke tried to do this, so I give him credit for that. Uh, but it's hard the way, to, the way the NFL rules are. You have to decide as a running back. Number one, you got to be elite. Number two, you got to show up in college and go, I'm going to hit these books as hard as I hit these fields so I can enter the draft after my sophomore year, having graduated. After my third year, redshirt sophomore, true junior, whatever. Uh, Get into school at 17, get out by 20. And see, even if you do all that and even if you're elite, you're still, what, 27, 
26 to 27 by the time you're actually free. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a dirty game, bro. We've said that before. It is a dirty game. And as we move on, your air ducts. Your air ducts could be dirty. They could be filthy. Filthy. And you go, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Look. Oh, 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 I got an answer for you. The only thing I can tell you is to call Flow Air Heating and Air. Because for the month of June, they're running a duct cleaning special. They can get those cleaned out for you. They provide all of your AC needs. Whether it's a repair, you need a new system, attic insulation, all that type of thing. And the best news is you can call them or you can shoot them a text. You may just want to check in and be like, hey, what's the deal with the duct cleaning special? And they'll just text you back, 817-808-4115. They're local, they're family-owned, they're veteran-owned. They've been doing it for a long time. It's Flow Air, heating and air. Dude, that's a great idea. See, I've, been, I've, I've known about Flow Air as long as you have, and I hadn't thought about that. You got a question, just text them. How about that? You don't even have to engage, just yeah. text. But let me tell you all something. It's supposed to be 95 tomorrow, then 93, then 98 then I hunted on Saturday, on uh, Sunday, I hunted on Monday, I hunted on Tuesday, 99, 100, and 101. Hey, man, let me tell y'all something. Real talk. Have we ever steered you wrong? Seriously. Have we ever steered you wrong? I know the answer. Answer is no. Please give my people at Flow Air a call. Let them help you with your ducts. Let them help you with your air conditioning before it's too late. And we all know. It's getting deep and summer has arrived, brother. Yes, it has. Get it fixed. Call Flow Air. Let them help you out. Get you some peace of mind with some air ducts you ain't got to worry about. Make it happen, man. They provide that 24-7 emergency service as well. They take care of the entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. It's Flow Air Heating and Air. Find out that information. Shoot them a text. What can they do for you? 817-808-4115. Flow Air Heating and Air. So we got a bunch of stories that I want to jump into, and one of those, and I'm sure many of you are aware of the journey that Jacques and I have had going all the way back to ESPN Radio, and many of you will remember the year that we did at the ticket, and we were doing a Sunday show, filling in, doing whatnot here and there, and I got into sports talk radio back in 2009. I'd been doing radio my entire life bouncing around, doing music radio, trying to do like a morning show. And I always wanted to get into sports talk. And I had an opportunity in 2009 and I was hired on at the ticket. And so I have been involved and known the guys up at the ticket for going on 14, 15 years now. And one of the big things in DFW media in the last week or so was Norm Hitzkiss announcing his retirement. And if you are from or have been in the Dallas area for any amount of time, I imagine you're familiar with this dude. It blows my mind because my entire life, literally, he was doing media in Dallas before I was born. And it makes 48 years in some form or fashion in Dallas, Fort Worth media for Norm Hitzkiss. And I don't know, man, like I, I listened last week to the ticket online when he did his retirement show. And, and I did when Mike Reiner retired, because I grew up listening to the ticket. I've always been a big ticket fan. And, right. And, I mean, it's, it's wild to think that these dudes you've been listening to for so long and are such a part of your life and you feel like you know who they are. And then the fact that also having an opportunity to have been around Norm and work with Norm 
I, I mean, for a guy who was at his level to be as nice and as kind as he was, it's wild when you just don't see that much, man. You just don't see guys go that long, that age. I mean, he's 78, 79 years old. I think he turned 79 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, what a career that dude has had. Well, the beauty of it is, man, is uh, he's always been himself. Like, he ain't never tried to be nobody else. He's, yeah. Clearly, he's quirky. He got his own quirks, man. And when you have those and you allow and you embrace them and you allow people to make fun of them, like the fact that he still got a flip phone from, you know, like 1999 and he's right, still yeah. using it. And that he doesn't have anybody's phone number in his phone. He's just got number. He doesn't have any number stored. He doesn't know how to put it on silent. He carries around this legal pad in an area where we got electronic legal pads. <laughs> I mean, if you just want a legal pad, dog, we got electronic legal pads now. Sure. Uh, so he's got his own quirks, man, and he embraces them. And he's his own guy. I mean, let me ask you, how many people you think do a call of a, of a Belmont or a Kentucky Derby or a Preakness these days? Nobody. No. Nobody, because nobody gives two dead flies You're about correct. horse racing, except who? Norm. And so I'm Norm. I love it. And I'm going to make you love it, too. Yeah. You know? So he does that about gambling. He was doing that before he gambling even took over the world. Um, now, so, you know, that's, that's why Norm is beloved, I think. Uh, he's got a quirky voice. Uh, he gets everybody on the show because he's committed to, uh, you know, being fair. I think that's what people like about him. He's fair. Yeah. He'll ask a tough question. And then uh, he'll give you a bunch of humanity when it's time for that. Yeah, and I mean, you you look at the note. Now, granted, he's been at the ticket uh, since, I want to say, 99. He's been there for a long-ass time. And in that time, you know, he started doing the Normathon. And originally, it was, he was going 24 hours straight on air, which was incredible. And I think now it's down to like 10, 12 hours, something like that at the age he's at. But over the time that he's been doing that every year, he's raised over $9 million for the Austin Street Center for the Homeless, which is just incredible, incredible. And, you know, it's wild because you talk about his voice, that kind of nasally voice. When I was younger, like in high school and in college and whatnot, even in my early 20s, I couldn't stand his show. Like he'd be the one show on the <laughs> ticket I wouldn't listen to. Part of it was because especially when I was younger, I, all the other shows would do bits and just segments that had nothing to do with sports. And Norm rarely ever did that. Like Norm would do his two hours. It was all 100% sports in the voice. I don't know. And then as I got older and I started wanting more information about sports and that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, bro. And I, I started to get into the show a little bit more. Right, right, right. And it, it's, I don't, he's such a recognizable voice. And I remember being a kid and this would have been, I can't remember, sometime in the 80s. Well, Norm Hitzkus for a while was the play-by-play -play voice or the color analyst, one of the two, on the TV. for It was called HSE, Home Sports Entertainment for the Texas Rangers. And I don't know if you remember that. No. Tell me about it. Well, just that's what he did. And, and I remember it was nuts because my dad didn't like his voice. And so that kind of played into it as I got older. I was like, oh, yeah, we don't like that Norm Hitzkus guy. <laughs> No, I, um, I'm trying to think like I was, you know, I was always a, uh, evening radio listener. And then it was, uh, I'm not even sure when I started listening to Norm It's probably. Yeah. Cause Norm originally I, did mornings. Right. It was probably when I got back from college and discovered him on the mornings over there at Cliff. 
but what I what I'm forever and eternally grateful for, and I tweeted this out the other day, is that he was the first guy to put me on the radio, ever. Like got a call one day from his producer Fraser Maxwell, who's out there somewhere doing something. Uh, but we were good friends for a while, for a long time, probably more than a decade. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Fraser called me up one day and said, "Hey, Norm would love to have you do the uh, high school game of the week." I said, great. Okay, what does that mean? Well, whatever game you're going to that Friday, give us a call, you know, about 6.15 when you're, out, when you're on your way over there, and let's talk about the big matchup and uh, whatever else high school related. Okay, great. Well, that's what I did. So we did that uh, probably for a couple years, man. Yeah. And then once I got on the Cowboys, um, I did the ranch report with them or whatever we call it, Inside Valley Ranch or something we were calling it. Uh, and I think, uh, I can't remember. We did that for years, man. Uh, but what I remember, I think I can't even remember why we stopped except maybe I went to ESPN or something. Um, but I do remember that the first two or three years he said, he asked me to do this. And then at the end of the year, he goes, shock. I thought we could get it sponsored. Then we can't for, there was some technical reason why they couldn't sponsor it. And he goes, hey, I, you know, you've been so great all years. You know, you haven't missed a Friday, blah, blah, blah. And dude went in his pocket, man, and wrote me a check. Wow. No real talk. And the check man. was probably for about $600. That's incredible. But you got to think what $600 was in 1992. It's probably closer to like 1000 And the next year, he wrote me a check for about five or $600. And the next year, he said, hey, I've worked out something for you. He's retired now, so off the books. <laughs> yeah. He said, go over to Star Power, and uh, I've got you. I'm not, this is no cap, man. I want to say he said, I got you $2,100 worth of credit at Star Power. Wow. Again, early, mid-90s. Yeah, that's a chunk of change back then, dude. Dude, why do you like think that? I had... Dog, why do you think I had that $10,000 television? Oh, now I know. <laughs> Real talk. I always wondered about that. That's amazing. Because I had the credit and, uh, and then awesome. David Pigeon hooked me up. And basically, I still paid a shitload of money for it. Oh, I imagine. I think yeah. I paid about $6,000 for a TV in 1995. But I didn't have no kids then, so it was all good. But I had about I got about half off of it. But anyway, man, no, he did that. I had a big screen. I had surround. <laughs> it really got to the point that one year I said, Norm, I love you, buddy. I really have everything I could get from Star Power. <laughs> That's awesome. So, but no, man, the fact that uh, he put me on the radio at first and then paid me out of his pocket for two or three years, uh, uh, you know, that always meant a lot. Yeah, he's... He's one of those guys, man. I mean, having been around, and I have been around a variety of radio stations in different areas, of course, in different markets, different formats. And, and Norm, there's a couple of guys that really stand out to me as just actually really good people because he could walk around, have an ego, and, and basically tell you to F off, and there'd be nothing you could do about it because he carries that kind of weight. And he never right. was like that. Never. I mean, I remember as a rinky-dink 
fill in, dude, when I first got hired at the ticket in 2009 and I'm the guy, you know, they, I'd be the guy that they'd send out to just cut audio and that'd be what I did. I, I was right. And then I think probably after a couple of months, I was able to do some fill in tickers and stuff like that, mainly at night in the evening and stuff. And right. I mean, fi- like Norm was one of those guys, like the first time I ever met him and not everybody that I have interacted with in that realm is like that. That was just nice. And is like, Oh, where are you from? And now what do you do? And all that type of thing, you know? And I was like, man, I mean, I don't know. It's crazy, dude, but I just looked at it. So Norm was the color analyst for the Rangers from 1986 to 1989 and then was off in 90 and did it again from 91 to 94 at times. Right, right. But I'm pretty sure, like, from 86 to 89, I I believe he was, like, the number one color analyst. And I'm trying to remember who did play-by-play back then. God, I would not have. Okay, I just looked it up. It was Bob Carpenter. Okay, I feel good. I would not have guessed that in five million years. Yeah, so Bob Carpenter was a play-by-play guy. I don't remember him, but I remember Norm, and I remember old HSE, man. And I didn't know at the time that, like, apparently at some point he got into where he was doing color analysts for or play-by-play or whatever for ESPN, and he was doing his morning radio show, and he'd have to zip all over the country and then wake up and do morning radio. I mean, what a wild career that dude's had, but I mean, over 48 years with the, from where radio was in media to where it is today. I mean, wow. Incredible. And he's done it all, man. He's done soccer. He's done tennis. He's done golf. He's done it all. And, um, you know, he's done it all at a high level, man. And I think the thing that comes through and, and I've heard several people talk about it, uh, recently is um, just the passion, man. Yes. To show up every day and be like, yo, and bring it. Because we know from doing a, uh, a show for, for uh, two years together, I did one two years before you. You've done radio before. You're doing it now. Yeah. Uh, and we do the podcast. But we know you don't always feel like bringing it. <laughs> That's the truth. And, but it ain't about you. It's about the audience. And they deserve the best you have on a given day. And so you got to give it to them. Um, and, uh, bro, to still be able to bring it like that with the same intensity. I mean, he pissed off at uh, Stefan Diggs the other day. Yeah. <laughs> he's, and he's fussing about him going on a rant. Uh, and so that, to me, is the gift, man. That's, uh, that's what you want. And, uh, and he brought it. He did. So what a career man and it, you know it's, i need to look up his astrology and see uh, see how he fits into the astrology i mean he is as 100 percent as it pertains to dfw media an absolute behemoth legend of dallas fort worth media iconic norm hitzkiss retiring and as a matter of fact as you oh, listen well, to this on friday just, june 23rd that is norm's last show is today yeah, he's uh, he's as old as my dad. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, uh, looking at his uh, birthday, I'm not surprised by any of this. I'll fill you in more later. Okay, well, there you go. So the other thing <laughs> I wanted to throw out, because you sent this article and it's like, oh, my God, they're finally going to tear down that dump. And apparently, and anybody who lives in the, in the Dallas area, for sure, if you're over further on the west side and you never go down around Dallas, you may not know this, but... 75 Central Expressway, whichever you prefer. I'll call it 75. If you have driven (laughs) north of 635, you have 
without fail, driven by the Como Motel right there in Richardson. Dude, I ain't paid no attention to it. Really? You don't like, I mean, it has that iconic sign. It's like, it's like the old 1950s looking diamond shape that spells out C-O-M-O in each diamond. Uh, But see, check it out. See, like, number one, I'm like you, I think. Number one, I hate Central. So I avoid Central at all costs. And dude, with the tollway and stuff, I probably, and there's nothing for me on on the east side of Plano. And so when I've gone to Plano, bro, probably for like the last 20 years, I've gone, uh, I've taken a tollway. Now I will just admit to you that for about a seven year period, my tax guy was in Plano off of 75. So twice a year, probably. Okay. I went down 75 and no, I did not notice the Como Hotel. All right, well. And I feel bad. No, you don't have to feel bad, but I mean, I've lived in Plano a chunk of my life. I've been in that area a gazillion times. My aunt and uncle and my uncle still live in Richardson at the exit that's, I think, two exits up from the Como Motel. So I've driven, I mean, who knows how many times I've driven by the Como Motel. And it has been there for 67 years. And it went up for sale a couple of weeks ago. And an unknown buyer has purchased the property. And it has been confirmed that the new owner's plans are to tear that thing down and replace it with something new, like a restaurant or something. And now, for whatever reason, some nearby residents and business owners are stepping up and they're trying to stop them from bulldozing it and getting rid of the Como Motel. Now, I hate to tell these people, but the dude who invested in this chunk of property that's got to be a prime piece of land right off 75 is not going to give a flying rat's ass if change.org has some signatures on an online petition. He ain't interested in your memories, brother. No. Not at all. I mean, I don't know what the... It's... Come on, man. It'll be... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. And, you know, as you pointed out in the story, the motel served as a secret love fest for acquitted killer Candy Montgomery, who met there with Alan Gore before she was charged with killing his wife, Betty, back in 1980 up in Wiley. I I wasn't sure how familiar you were with it, and that was pretty deep into the story. So I just circled it and sent a screenshot just in case you didn't get that far. But I read that. I was like, this is wild. Yeah, man, because some of you may be familiar with that because there was an HBO Max miniseries about the Candy Montgomery murders with Elizabeth Olsen. And then there's a Hulu miniseries called Candy starring Jessica Biel that was about that. And, and that's the Como Motel for one of the most infamous murder cases, probably Collin County's most infamous murder case of all time and something that's gotten a lot of national publicity, of course. I mean, it's, I don't know. What's really weird is that apparently, remember the dude who landed the plane on the Hudson River solely? Yeah. He frequently stayed at the hotel when he would have, I guess, layovers and whatnot in Dallas. How about that? Who knew? And man, I got to tell you, dude, just driving past that thing, I always thought, I'll be flat out honest with you. I don't really know the ho- the history of this thing until I read the article. I always just assume that's where people went to do heroin and, and screw hookers and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Because well, it looks like it looks like that's the type of hotel that... You know those hotels that are down there off of 30 and Dolphin Road? Yes, sir. That's what it looks like. 
I used to pass them on my way to Skyland every morning. Never stopped there. Yeah, and it would say, you know, like $10 an hour or whatever it would say. And you're like, oh, that's where you take the street walkers you got from Harry Hines. Wow. What? That's, I'm just saying, man. I don't, you know, that's what I assume. Yeah, buddy. I just, I mean, I don't get it, man. At some point, look, it, it, it's, I get it. it, it people want to hold on to everything, but you can't stop progress. No, you can't. And I think it's okay. So the okay. other wild wheels, what? I got to go back for a second. Just okay. for a second. All right. Okay, let's go back. Real quick. Yes. I looked up Norm's birth chart, man. Okay. And he is and, exactly who he is. This is why I'd be messing with astrology, bro. <laughs> okay, before y'all write me off, I just use astrology as a personality test to see if you kind of fit into the categories. Well, he's, he's born, his birthday is July 5th, which means he's a cancer. And so that's why he's got this humanity about him where you know he's always trying to bring people together and all this. That's why yeah. he works as a talk show host from that. But his moon, and your moon kind of really dictates a lot about how you act. His moon is a Capricorn, which is why he does a thousand jobs and it never bothered him because I'm a Capricorn, but, I'm, but most of the time Capricorn is very organized, very work, dominant stuff like that and then then check it listen to this I, I picked this out just so people understand he's also got a mars which is kind of like how you think it's a leo and this is what it says about people in who have a mars leo see if this sounds anything like norm eager to express themselves entertain and achieve everything they're passionate about <laughs> yeah so, yes, I looked up his birth chart, and he is exactly what his birth chart says he should be. And then his birth chart also says he should be a household name, and he should have a lot of money. So, hey. Does it really say that? Yeah. Wow. No, real talk. Well, he nailed it. I would say, especially in that area, he's a household <laughs> name, and, and I guarantee you he has done quite well for himself. Yeah. So, anyway, back to our scheduled programming, but I thought that was cool. Okay. So this story, we're going to go all the way out to Nacogdoches, which for those that don't know is... <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> so Nacogdoches is not far southeast Texas, but it's southeast Texas. It's, it's man, it's, it's... It's like in the middle of a spot. Yeah, it's kind of... And it's going to be closer to the Kilgore Longview area, but it's kind of halfway in between Houston and Kilgore Longview, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's out that direction. It's a couple of hours out there, Nacogdoches. And if you know where Lufkin is, it's really close to Lufkin. Anyway, for those that are unaware, there is a university there called Stephen F. Austin, which was a huge conference rival of mine when we, when I was in college. I've been to Nacogdoches a handful of times. Everybody called it sex, fun, and alcohol, SFA. Right, right, right. That's what you called it because there is nothing to do in Nacogdoches, dude. It is like you were driving through pine trees and all of a sudden – there's a town and it has a college in it. But again, this was a long time ago. I haven't been in, I haven't been in Nacogdoches since 2001. So who knows what the hell it looks like today. But they have a very good bowling program in Nacogdoches at Stephen F. Austin. And an assistant women's bowling coach has resigned after the university discovered that he cheated on his wife, who is the team's head coach, and he did it with one of the student-athlete bowlers. <laughs> but the best part about this is he was interviewed and, I mean, just kind of goes scorched earth a little bit 
almost like he doesn't regret it. He doesn't care that he got let go. Oh, he don't regret that at all. Bro. Dude, and it, it made me feel like he didn't like his wife and was kind of like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Because listen oh, no, to his quote. That's exactly right. So apparently he says his wife learned of the relationship through text messages. And he says, look, I knew it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. There's not a law saying I'm going to jail for something like this. I guess it's just an ethics code, like we frown upon it, but there's no rule. I didn't break any laws. And you know what? He's right, okay? It's not illegal to have a consenting relationship with someone else. Right. It's an ethics thing. So far, he's correct. They said, we support our student athletes. This is the school talking about this. And, man, what happened to the... He continues to go on. And, again... All I can think is that he was having some, like, you just think, like, it almost comes across to me like this dude was just glad that he got busted and that he doesn't he don't have care. To, he, like, he doesn't seem like he's upset. So he continues to go through this and they offered him a chance like, hey, you can resign and we'll fire you. So he decides to, re, to resign and he continues to talk about this. He's trying to find his other quotes in the story here. Here we go. He says of the text, he goes, it didn't have anything in detail. It's just about how amazing I am in a general <laughs> perspective. Amber, his wife, saw that and questioned me. It got to the point where it just built up so much. I just told her the truth after she dug through my phone. And then, see, this is where you can tell he was pissed. He didn't like his life. Saw no, he didn't the, like his life. Right. And, and this is how you can tell. So he says, I was a stay-at-home dad for five years with the kids while Amber got to go off and coach the team. Then when she'd get back, I'd run practices on top of taking care of the kids while she was back. Then they'd travel again. I'd take care of the kids. Then they hired me. She almost forced me to run the practices. I was volunteering the entire time trying to help her out. Once I got hired on, one thing stemmed from another. I felt like I was doing too much for what I was being valued at. <laughs> almost like, you know what? Yeah. My wife wanted me to take care of the kids, and that's all I had to do. So you know what? Hell yeah, I screwed around on her. Like, literally, this guy has that kind of attitude. Dude, he sounds like the biggest seven-letter cuss word ever. He sounds like a colossal douchebag. <laughs> Just wow. Now, as you might imagine, they have filed for divorce. Apparently, oh, really? Apparently, the affair has ended. There's no, you know, they're not naming the student athlete, even though, again, she's an adult it's some 20 year old kid or whatever 22 years old whatever i mean this is not i shouldn't say kid it's a it's a woman i mean this well, is an adult the, the issue with it is um and the reason why you're not supposed to do it is what you're in a position of power right and that's the thing yeah that's why that's why all those things that's why students and teachers uh can't get down because as a professor as a teacher you're in a position of power where you can demand certain things uh, grades, whatever. And uh, that's that's why those things are frowned upon. I know when he's like, I guess it's an ethics issue. No shit, moron. It is an ethics issue. I mean, what are we doing with this? I mean, this it's such a... Because you hear about stories like this all the time. You never hear any like anyone involved come out and be like, yeah, I did this, so what? <laughs> <laughs> no, because... Most people have a degree of decorum. Like, man, dude, he's, he's just, just He obviously got extremely bitter that his wife was out having success because they won a couple of national championships in bowling. Yep. And he yep. was bitter that she was out traveling, getting to do all this, and he had to stay home and take care of the kids, and he just he got pissed off and resented her 
I mean, a little bit of scorched earth there with that dude. Dude, that's that's what I'm saying, man. He he didn't like his life. Although it's an honor. I mean, I, I get it at one level, man. But you know, take your kids, man. That's that's not a job. You don't get no credit for that. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I would I would think so. Like you're you're the dad guy. It, it's your kids. Yeah. And then finally, as we go down the rabbit hole of random ass stories here, well, before we get to this one, we do need to tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. And again, whether it's an oil change, you need new tires. It is called Freeway Tire Shop. I mean, how many, you've taken all your cars there and you routinely are driving by to visit JR and make sure that everything is cool. And the good news is it's because you can trust the guy. He does the work he says he's going to do. He stands behind it, and he makes sure that you are satisfied with it, and it's all at a fair price. Man, it's um, that's the reason why I mess with uh, JR and Freeway Tires, so the reason I take my cars there. Uh, I just suggested that a friend who needed four tires roll through there. I said, hey, man, he'll give you a great deal, and then you won't have to worry about him if something happens. You know, you just roll back. Yo, this happened. Boom, it's taken care of. No questions asked. Uh, but I like to tell y'all, and I, I'm being real about it, is if your mechanic that you currently use doesn't, one, quickly and accurately diagnose what's wrong with your car, if the mechanic that you're with doesn't use quality parts or at least ask you, do you want the cheap ones or the good ones? Uh, if, if the mechanic you currently use does not always charge you what you consider a fair price. I didn't say a cheap price. I said a fair price. And then if you're current mechanic doesn't stand behind their work you know something you've had fixed you bring it back it's, it's not working right i don't know what to tell you somebody else been working on it we've all had those kind of people man if your mechanic that you currently have doesn't do three no haha <laughs> fooled you two no <laughs> food no if your mechanic doesn't do all of those things i just mentioned then you need to take your butt right up 35 man toward denton get off of commonwealth go through the light look to the right and go say, hey, JR, what's up, man? I'm a Jam fan. Here's my car. Give me the good news. Because it's worth it, man. He's great to work with. His business is great. And uh, he's the only mechanic I trust these days. It's Freeway Tire Shop, my friends. It's easy to get to. You will not regret it. You'll love what he does for you. Check him out online at freewaytireshop.com. So I imagine a lot of people are following along. And I, by the time we do another podcast, we'll know the resolution of the story but this thing with the submarine that was looking for the Titanic, it, it seems like it's Bro. its captured the nation's attention in ways that things like this tend to do. Okay, well, why do you think it's captured the nature? See, nation's I don't attention. know because it's billionaires. It's not like baby Jessica stuck in a well. You know, these right. are billionaires who made a choice to go to an insane depth because they're rich as hell to view a, a ship that crashed over 100 years ago on the ocean floor. So I am very curious about why this is. I think it's because of all of those things and people just look at it and be like, my God, how stupid are you? It could be that. It's something that most of us will never do. I'm sure I mean, it's all never going to do it. Even if I was rich, I would never do this in a and, million years. And may, I'm going to see if I still have this picture. I'll send it to you because it puts it in perspective. Oh, okay. I have it. I'll send it to you. Um, there's a today and I'm just like, just like wow man um but then i'm being a little harsh in this sense a lot of people have a spirit of adventure that i just don't have i guess so man you know whether it's whether it's bungee jumping yeah 
whether it's I want to spend the night at the at the haunted house. It's just you know it's all all those things, man. And they just have a spirit of adventure I don't have. Like when you look at this picture, bro. Yeah, and what yeah, it I've is is it's a picture that shows you the top of the water, where giant squids go, and then that's like uh, three thousand feet, and then four thousand feet is where sperm whales go. There's nothing between four thousand feet and thirteen thousand feet where they're trying to go, except water. And check this out, Matt. Perhaps there's some other stuff down there that we never see. Oh, there! I guarantee you, there is. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, there, dude. I'm I'm here to tell y'all. This, this is just me. There, could, I swear to y'all, there could be something down there at eleven, twelve, ten thousand feet because nothing can get down that far. That's left over from the dinosaur age and said, "Oh, that looks delicious. Yep, let me eat it." And it opened its mouth and it sucked it in. And it'll shit it out in a few days. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the reality of this. And I mean, this is so far down there that light, I mean, light disappears way before you get this far down. Yeah, bro. And it's crazy because a, a submarine captain, a former submarine captain, I was reading something he said on Wednesday where he described this saying, if they are alive, they're extraordinarily uncomfortable. He said they're freezing cold. The water entirely surrounding the ship is at freezing or slightly below. When they exhale, their breath condenses. There's frost on the inside of the parts of the submarine. They're all huddled together trying to conserve body heat. They're running low on oxygen and exhaling carbon monoxide. And the reality of it is, I would be stunned if they find this thing, if these people are actually alive. And, and you know, we're, we are recording this because I'm about to head out of time. We, we normally record on Thursdays. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. And so we don't know for sure, but they said that they should have enough oxygen to get them into Thursday morning. So who knows? Maybe a miracle happens, but at some point they're going to run out of oxygen and they're, they're basically going to suffocate and breathe the carbon monoxide. They'll probably pass out and that'll be it. And I just, who knows where this thing is, man? Well, to me, bro, I think the other reason it's it's taking uh, taking storm is it's to me, it's such a bad way to go. Yeah. Because it, because you have the terror of realizing that oh this is it. Yeah. And then you got to sit there and think about it, and just you know, and the hopelessness and despair that must be like, you know, will somebody get us? You know, because even if three of the four or four to five are positive, you know, well, somebody's flipping out down there. Oh, sure. No doubt. And, and um, you know, just coming to grips with it and then coming to grips that because you're so far down, they'll never find you. And so this is kind of like your grave, your, your kids, your loved ones will never really know what happened to you. And just dealing with all of that. You know, I bet they've all written paragraphs on their cell phones in case, you know, we get found. This will, you know, this will tell right. the story of what happened. At least I hope they did. Uh, but, dude, I don't know if they'll ever find them. Yeah, there's no way to know. And, and, and again, like they had heard banging sounds that were picked up by sonar on Tuesday and Wednesday, but the Coast Guard has not identified what the source is. They just don't know. And they're searching in an area twice the size of the state of Connecticut. For, for a needle in haystack. Thousands of miles off the American coast. 
up in the frigid cold waters uh, that the closest thing to it is Newfoundland in Canada. And man, I, I just, you know, it took them forever to find the Titanic originally. How long did it take them to find the Titanic? Years and years. I mean, the Titanic sank in 1912, and I believe they found the wreckage in the 1980s. Now, granted, we didn't have all the technology in the world and all that type of thing. Yeah, in 1985, it was finally located. All right, so what do we say? They, they'll find this in, you know, 50 years? I think they'll find it quicker than that if they continue to look. You know, at some point, do you can, like, how long do you continue to look out there? Well, well, the good thing is these guys are billionaires, so at least they can fund it with their own, with their spouses or companies or whatever. Yeah, and that's true. And, and look, our technology is a lot better today, but it, it's just a matter of you're going over and over and over a massive area. And that thing can be, that thing is moving unless it's settled. And it's so, so deep. Bro. So I don't know, man. It, it's a, it's a wild story. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I'd ever get on a submarine. I sure as hell wouldn't get in something like this because they're all you sitting down. You're claustrophobic, right? To some degree, yeah, I would not want to be in something like this where I, I have no room to move. They're all huddled together very closely, and you're sitting like that for a few hours as it descends. Right. There's no way I'd get in that thing. Nah. But I tell you, there's some people with that spirit of adventure. They can't help themselves. It's what they do. Yeah, and you hear about this all the time. I mean, people die on Everest, and you hear about the guys who are super rich because it cost a ton of money to climb Everest. You're going right. to hear about this, you know, now that they're taking rich tourists essentially into space. You know, this, this is things like that people are going to see the end. I'm actually surprised because they've been doing this for a while, taking rich people down to see the Titanic wreckage. I'm surprised this hadn't happened before now. Yeah, because it's, it's always been 13,000 feet down there. I'm just not willing to go somewhere where ain't nobody else been. I'm not interested in being that kind of trailblazer. You know, and then you hear like James Cameron, when he was doing the movie Titanic, they, he's been down to the Titanic wreckage site. You know, all that type of thing, man. I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm glad, I guess, somebody went down there and we have documentaries and you can view. I will watch the footage of the Titanic wreckage <laughs> on my TV and it'll be just as kick-ass as if I was there in person. Dude, now you can probably watch it in 3D and feel like you're down there. I guess, man, but that is... That is just so crazy far down there. Yeah, it is. It's, it's wild. It's I'm going to pass on that, but look, it's it's probably one of those things where you kind of, it'd be awesome if they find them and they're alive. I, I just, I, I at this point, I'd be shocked if they find them and they're alive. Oh, I believe that. Um, I'd just like to find them. So we'll that see. Would be, that would be nice. But that'll wrap up this version of the podcast. We will not have a podcast for you on Monday. I am traveling this weekend. Uh, I will be in the Little Rock area in Arkansas over the weekend, and I won't be back until later in on Sunday. So we won't have one for you on Monday, which is why I want to make sure we got together and dropped this one for you today. So our next podcast, we will reconvene, and we will have that for you on June 28th, next Wednesday. So everybody be aware of that. We'll have it for you then. We'll have a lot to look back at, man. I mean, we'll be approach we'll have a better idea of Rangers for All-Stars. We'll have a obviously what the Mavs have done in the NBA draft, any moves that they make. So we'll have that for you. 
But keep that in mind. No podcast Monday. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.